Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1234 in Edmonton. Bob Star for Nice District at Rogers Place. The best fans in the game need the best content. Go live and behind the scenes with Oilers Plus and access live practice coverage, pre- and post-game shows. Uh, original series content, and much more. Subscribe now at OilersPlus.com using the promo code OILERSNOW. That's all capped, OILERSNOW, for a three-day free trial. And a reminder that guests in the show receive certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply serving a night in the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Tell Brendan and Chris that Oilers now sent you. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. We welcome back to the show for our friends at GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. So for 50 years, it's GCLDiesel.com. A guy that knows the Carolina Hurricanes pretty well. His son knows them really well. His son's probably back faster than everybody thought. Um... The father of uh, current NHLer for the Boston Bruins, Jake DeBrusque, Oilers legendary enforcer and current color analyst on NHL Hockey and Rogers, Louis DeBrusque. Hello, Louis. How are you? Nasty conditions. Louis, you there? I'm here. All right, we got you. How you doing, big man? I'm here. I'm doing well, bud. Easy on the legendary. (laughs) Oh, you're an Oilers legend. But no, you know what? I do. Uh, I do know, know this team fairly well. I mean, I've got to see them a few times in the postseason and watch them pretty in, intently with uh, them playing against Boston. And you know, this is a team, Bob. You and I were talking this morning that's that's been building for years. And under Rod Brindamore, they've they've got a system. They've got an identity. It's, there's a way they want to play. It's pressure filled. Uh, this is a skilled, pressure-filled team that's very dangerous, and I think there's a healthy respect from the Edmonton Oilers towards the Carolina Hurricanes and vice versa. I think from the talk in the Hurricanes' room this morning, they understand this will be the toughest competition they've had this year. You know, you look at the, the start they had. They went up against Columbus, San Jose, and Seattle, and now they come into Edmonton, and it just the, the games start to get more difficult and more difficult, and they're kind of excited about it. They're excited about going up against one of the – the, the best teams in the league from last year and a team that they feel um, will certainly test them. It should be a great game tonight. You know, it's interesting, Louis. Uh, you're well aware of who Jurgen Klopp is. He is the manager of Liverpool. He's actually been under a little bit of criticism this week until about a week ago, and they pulled off a big victory over Man City, who's at the top of the uh, table in the EPL. But but Jurgen Klopp has you talk about pressure. He had a thing called the Gagan Press which was, uh, you know, where they, they pressurized and attacked the ball, uh, you know, the guy that's got the ball all over the pitch, uh, and much more aggressively so than a lot of the other managers, uh, you know, in, in certainly over in Europe. And you watch Carolina, and I want to get specifically into the style of play. This is a team that tries to force and strip you of pucks fairly quickly, isn't it? 
absolutely. And you know what? As a result of that, they were the most penalized team last year. They were they spent the most time short in the National Hockey League, although they did have the best penalty kill in the National Hockey League in the regular season last year. But that's kind of the way they want to play. They want to play a force game, aggressive. They want to attack the puck carry. They want to take time and space away. And they've done it for years. Rob Brindamore was that way as a player, too. Excellent defensive player. Um, no question, nobody ever questioned Rod Brindamore's work ethic. And I think that rubs off on the players in his room. Um, speaking with Jordan Stahl this morning, Jack asked him a real good question and was, you know, what, what sets Rod apart? And he's like, listen, if you come to the, to the rink every single day, you put the hard hat on and you grind and you give it your all effort-wise, he's, he's going to leave you alone. He's going to understand there's going to be mistakes made. You're going to turn pucks over. You're not going to connect on a pass. You're not going to finish on a play. But if you start to deviate from that work ethic in the game, then he's going to be all over you because he, he, he feels, and I, I agree with him, that that's where – um, that's the foundation of your game, in my opinion. That's the foundation of the game of any good team is the way they work, the way they attack, and it's in sync. So when everybody in that room is buying in, um, it's a pretty well-oiled machine. And for Edmonton, they're trying to get to that too. That's the identity they want to have. And this will be really interesting tonight. I'm excited about this game because I know that don't get me wrong. There was a respect factor with the Buffalo Sabres. They're a young team. They're not as established as Carolina. But the Edmonton Oilers, with their record over the last bunch of years against Carolina, know exactly what this team's all about. And they're, they'll, they'll be ready. The, the nerves can kind of sometimes, and that respect factor can bring out the best in your team. And I think that's what Jay Woodcroft, the coaching staff, is hoping for. They'll be prepared. And it was a step in the right direction for two of the three periods. I would say even two and a half of the three periods against Buffalo. They want to try and put 60 minutes together against a very good team in Carolina. Well, I mean, if you, it's interesting. You know, we look at Carolina, Louie, over the course of the last four playoff years, right? And, yep. you know, they, they went three rounds uh, in 18-19. In uh, then we hit the lockout and basically, two, you know, play in and, and around. And then in 2021, uh, you know, in the specific, I guess, the bubble year, they, they got two rounds. And last year they got two rounds. It's you could be, I mean, they won 54 games last year. That's pretty good, right? I think we'd all agree it's pretty good. Um, you've watched them a bunch. Why do you think, you know, I, there's no insult in saying, hey, we went two rounds in the playoffs. I guess the question I have for you is why do you think they haven't been able to get to, to be on the second round over the last three years? Is that a reflection on how good the Eastern Conference is? Have they run up against the wrong teams? You tell me. I think both of those, for sure. I, I think when you look at the East and who they were continually having to go through, Boston Bruins being one of them, lost twice to them, and then finally beat them last year in the first round, which was a big step forward for them. And it takes time to kind of learn. Um, you know, and I'll look at the Avalanche, a team that kind of had a similar uprising in the West, and it just took them time to figure out how to get to that next level. And I'll talk about Jordan Stahl again. You know, this morning talking to him, he said the same thing. He said, listen, we know that the next step for us is winning. Simple as that. It's not getting back to the third round, the conference final, which they've done. They lost to Boston in 19. It's about getting to the Stanley Cup final and winning. So that's the expectation that this team internally has on them. And they've, they've worked to that. So it's taken time. I don't think that uh, you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that they see a lot. 
it took them years to figure it out, too, before they went back-to-back Stanley Cups. So I really do believe, though, that this Carolina team is a team that's been trending upwardly for the last six, seven years. They have an established back end that are all at the ripe age, the top four especially, with Brent Burns coming on board. It allows them to separate Slavin and Pesci, which makes them even deeper with Shea on the second pairing on the left side. I think that's one of the best top four in the game. You know, just the way they can play. They're all big, 6-3 and above. They all have range. They all can play a physical, and they log a lot of minutes if they have to. Their forward group, they've got young guys that have come in and flourished under the system because they play the right way, and they have a ton of veteran guys this year that are leading leading by example. I just think it's a great mix. Now, goaltending is always the question. Uh, Anderson was having an amazing year last year before he got injured, and I think that obviously was a big reason maybe last year where they got derailed a little bit and didn't maybe take another step. Um, this is a good team, Bob. I don't think anybody would argue that. And I, I think it really does take time, though. It takes time. It takes those battles. And it certainly takes some of those hard losses in playoff series for you to really figure out what it takes, what it takes to buy in. Um, you know, Seth Jarvis is a young player, rookie year last year, scored 17 goals, very talented. Uh, he even said to Jack and I this morning in the room, like, I don't care if I score. I'll block six shots. We just want to win. Coming from a young kid like that, you can you can get an understanding of what they're preaching in that room. And I think the Edmonton Oilers are in the same position. This is a team that's building, and that's why this game is going to be exciting for me because it's it's about putting it together. And because of that respect factor, I, I just you don't, you don't take anybody lightly in the National Hockey League. I'm going to you know, disclaimer, but there are certain teams that you understand you have trouble with and you have to be prepared for. I think both feel the same way about the opposition. I, I would say this, Louie, like I was a guy last year and people said, oh, Starford, get your 3D beer goggles off on the Oilers, but and I said they, I said they'd win 50. They won 49. I just didn't expect them to start 16 and five, then go 211 and two, and then see Jay Woodcroft take the team in 724 run in the final 38 games. This year, I think Edmonton will win 47 to 52 games. Okay, so I'll stick by that. I know it hasn't been the perfect start. My expectation of Carolina is they win more than 53 games. I just think they're that good of a team. They got strength down the middle. Part of the reason why they're an excellent penalty killing team is they've been good on face-offs. has gone, taken another step. He's basically at 67%. He's taken 14 face-offs a game through the first three games. Um, they got players that the Oilers organization liked in their respective draft years. They loved Natchez in the 2017 draft year. They loved Kotkaniemi in eight in 18, and they liked Jarvis in 2020. And those guys are all in their top six now. Yep. Uh, so, and 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 in, in the situation of all three players, they went ahead of Edmonton's pick. So it's not like Edmonton passed on them. Those were guys the Oilers certainly had targeted. Uh, so, th- but this this for me, Louis, I think it's got to be stated. I think this might be the most difficult matchup Edmonton has. Freddie Anderson's yeah. been lights out against the Oilers. The, their Hurricanes have a great top four. They're a tough team to get the puck from because they win a lot of face-offs. And a guy like Aho, he seems to live to play against Edmonton. Well, and that's the thing, right? Um, the record for Anderson speaks for itself. 17 wins in 21 games played against Edmonton in his career. I mean, that's... 
call it what it is. That's just he feels very comfortable playing against this team. And mentally, when a goaltender's feeling that way, they're going to be difficult to beat. So they're going to need to get to him early. Uh, the pace they play at, we talked about that already. The skill they have. So not only the pace they play at where they can attack and, and steal pucks and beyond pucks quickly, they can make plays in tight areas. They funnel a lot of pucks to the net. And because of that, they have bodies in front of the net. And that's going to be very important tonight. One of the issues with Edmonton was protecting the front of the net in the first couple of games. I thought they were better in game three. It was turnovers that cost them in game number three. In the second period, in like a five to seven minute span where they just, you know, you never know what turnover is going to be the one that ends ends up in the back of your net. So you have to be more conscious of that on a consistent basis. I believe they'll make that correction. I do. That These are the things that go on after a loss that happened the other night versus the Buffalo Sabres. You look at the video, you look at what happened, you say, okay, time to adjust against this Carolina Hurricanes team same game plan you do not want to be turning the puck over in the neutral zone or at the offensive blue line to allow their speedy forwards to transition the other way because they thrive on it and they look for those opportunities and they will pressure you trying to create those turnovers this will keep everybody on their toes but again I think and maybe a little bit with Buffalo because they're a team that's starting to grow. You might not have as much respect in your mind about them. This team, there's no doubt about it. With the record that Edmonton's had against them, they know exactly what they're up against. And this could be the perfect time for a game like this, to be honest. Everybody's on deck. Evander came this morning. I asked him if he takes a lot of optional skates in the morning. No, but he was on the ice this morning because he wants to start dialing it in early. He wants to start getting focused before the game. That's the kind of, you know, for me, response you want to see from, from a team and from players saying, okay, we need to make sure we're putting in this in high gear and we're, like Jay said about last game, laser-sharp focus. I believe that laser-sharp focus has to be there tonight. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Just want to clarify for the listeners, I mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, the Oilers liked uh, Nate in 2017. He went 12 to Carolina. The Oilers got Yamamoto in 22. We mentioned that Kakademi, uh, you know, was not there when Edmonton uh, was there. Carolina did not draft Kakademi. That was a Montreal pick. And then Carolina... Right, ultimately ended up getting Kakanami on an offer sheet after the Montreal Canadiens had tried to offer sheet Sebastian Ajo, and then Jarvis was there at 13, and he went. New Orleans said the next pick at 14 and got Dylan Holloway, who is not available tonight. Uh, speaking of Holloway, how much responsibility oh. in that situation is on Holloway, and what about the guy that passed the puck, Warren Fogle? Give me your take as a as a former player, Louis. Well, I'll tell you what. It's not like it was a. It was just an unfortunate. I'm just going to call it that. It was a good body check. It was a it was a a crusher of a hit. 
Um, if that's Nima Linen stepping up on an opposing player, which she's done multiple times, we're like, wow, that's a big hit. Now, if somebody wants to come and fight Nima Linen, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with Fogel coming in afterwards, too. I don't think that's a suicide pass. I don't think that's one, you know, it could have been, it could have been harder, absolutely. It could have been on the tape, sure, but he had to carry him a bit off the boards. It was one of those situations where a defenseman that likes to hit and maybe a young player doesn't have an awareness of a guy like Labushkin who can lay a body check like that. You get a very good understanding of the players on the ice rapidly because of situations like this. Um, I felt bad for the kid. I really did. It's been a tough start for him, and he had an amazing training camp, and it just goes to show you the transition from exhibition into regular season. It's elevated. The intensity goes up. Um, it was a it was a really 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 hard. I tell you what, it's going to be hard for anybody to hit somebody in this league all year long as hard as Labushkin hit Holloway with a clean hit and not get penalized for it for the rest of the year. You're going to have a hard time seeing a hit that hard all year long because number one, it's difficult to line that up because if you miss it, that's a speedy Holloway that's gone on a two on one. Number two, to be able to hit somebody like that and not take a penalty, either interference, headshot, whatever you want to call it, um, I just feel bad for the kid. I really do, and I hope he's okay. I hope that he's recovering well and he's going to be be okay because it's a hard lesson to learn. And, uh, you know, that's all I can say about it. But I've always had a hard time with people that say you shouldn't have to fight after a clean hit. Sorry, I disagree with that. You can fight anytime you want for any reason you want. You can, get ag- you can get aggressive and physical for no reason at all if you want to in the game of hockey. That's what makes it a great game. Um, Labushkin, the rule protected him there. Because back in the day, the gloves would have been already off. There would have been a, no 2-5-10. and 10. It would have just been a fight if he wanted to protect himself. And he would have probably eaten the first five. So... The rules do protect players from that. It was a clean hit, I agree. But that doesn't mean you have to like it. That doesn't mean you have to like it at all. And I didn't hey, mind the response. He belted Dreisaitl. He finished yeah, Dreisaitl. Absolutely people, he did. People he, forget yeah. this first period on the power play back behind their goal. Leon did not expect to get hit because most most players don't hit when they're penalty killing. And Labouche can fill Dreisaitl in. And Leon... I, you know, yep. that one hurt he Leon, it. and he came, you know, Leon tried, gave him a little bit of a love tap there with the stick. And that's, yep. So I'm going to ask you, when you played, who hit you the hardest like that? And and did you ultimately get a chance <laughs> to maybe send the message back? Yeah, you know what? Uh, Grant Marshall ran me over one time down in St. John's. Um, maybe one of the hardest. Ryan Vandenbush hit me with a really hard hit. I ended up fighting both of those guys eventually. Um, not in that. Actually, Grant, I fought right away. Um, Vandenbush was later in my career. Yeah. But, you know, the, one of the biggest collisions I ever had was uh, the Peter Sikora, not the offensive-minded forward Peter Sikora from right. the New Jersey Devils, the big hulking defenseman playing for the Chicago Blackhawks at the time. So I came off the bench and literally – skated as fast as I could to get onto the forecheck. He came around the net with the puck and we collided. You know, I lined him up. It was me that was initiating the hit. He didn't see me coming. But uh, he was so big and solid that that collision was, you know, I felt the effects of it too. Much like Labushkin did, by the way. He missed practice the next day because of that hit. So he went and made that hit. He paid the price for it too because 
I mean, Holloway's a pretty solid kid. Like he, I mean, he he took the hit well. You knew he was hurt. He got up on his own will, went to the, the the room. I didn't expect to see him back after that hit because it was such a hard hit. But uh, I, the kid's future is really bright, and I really hope that this doesn't, you know, side sidetrack him in thinking that. I don't think it will. It's part of the game. Um, he certainly will learn from that unfortunate unfortunate hit, but. Yeah, I'm, here's the thing. Again, I, the only reason I argue about it is because I've always said this. Everybody's like, ah, you know what, don't fight after a clean hit like that. Well, and I'll say it a, a thousand times if I have to. Until you're on the ice where you see your good friend, somebody you hang with every single day essentially for eight months of the year, if not more, who becomes family, get blown up like that and injured on a play, you don't know how you're going to respond. Bingo. So... So, so I'm sorry. Like you, it's it's a it's a natural response to want to get back at somebody that throws a hit like that. And I have no problem with it. There was no instigator. There was no, and it could have. If he would have done that too, I would have said, hey, you know what? I credit. That's good on Fogel to step in there, protect the teammate. He's the one that passed the puck. I don't think it was a suicide pass. We saw that pass how many times in the game? It was just unfortunately was the time that Labushkin wanted to step up and throw a hit, and he had the timing to do it. Right. And that's yeah. it. That's all I'm going to say about it. By the it. way, Louie, uh, you mentioned Vandenbush doing that to you. I, I do recall you got Vandenbush late in your career. You had signed with Tampa Bay or ended up in Tampa Bay. And you got in a fight with Vandenbush, and uh, or yeah, you were you were a Tampa. But was Vandenbush with the Rangers at this point? Yep. And I remember pretty sure Sam Rosen or John Davidson said, if Louis DeBrusque had fought like that in Edmonton, he'd still be there because you you laid a pretty significant beatdown on Vandenbush. And what I remember about Marshall is even though Grant Marshall wasn't like he beat Marty McSorley clean one time. He could fight for a guy that was not a heavyweight. Vandenbush and Marshall were like, they were, you know, cut from the same cloth. Those two guys, you know, pound for pound, fought some big dudes in their day, especially Vandenbush. I mean, Kyle Frederick, who's from these parts, um, was a guy that, at playing for Tampa Bay at that time, too, fought Vandenbush in front of the benches. And just go watch that one because it's ridiculous. Both guys missed time afterwards after that fight because they. It was <laughs> one of the best ones. A big, big guy versus a smaller guy, but they both connected. Uh, Vandenbush was a natural lefty, so he would get the left jackhammers going, but Frederick was just such a big, strong you guy. His, Louis, you cleaned his clock. You kicked the living. Well, I you know what? Smart. I fought him smart. We were talking to Evander Kane this morning about scrapping, and Evander's a smart fighter. You know, he comes from a boxing background. Yeah. He understands left, right. He can change hands, all that kind of stuff. I knew Vandenbush wanted to throw left, so I threw lefts against him. I tied up his left and threw lefts. I was comfortable going left to right with him if that would have happened, which it did a little bit in the fight. But I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go right to left with him early in the fight when he had lots of energy. I would have willingly done it later in the fight if it would have transpired that way, but. I was kind of a thinker in my fights, too, maybe to my own demise at times. But I'll say this about J.D., one of my favorite color commentators. But I did fight once every three and a half, four games in my career, so I was fighting quite a bit. Hey, uh, one final one for you. Jake DeBrus fought to get back in the lineup. Did he get in sooner than everybody thought? Yeah, you know what? Uh, kid's tough. I, he gets it from his mom, I guess. 
It's not from me. But, uh, yeah, you know, listen, he it, it's, it was all about pain management. It was all, all about whether he was going to be able to do what he needed to do on the ice. And with the training staff and the coaching staff, they felt that, and he felt that he could go. And credit to him. He sucked it up and went out there and played. And uh, good on him. Love to see it. Awesome stuff, Lou Dog. Thanks for joining us here in Oilers Now. Okay, bud. Take care. You, you bet. Uh, by the way, Ilya Labushkin is not expected to play tonight in uh, for Buffalo in Calgary. Uh, not sure if it's a direct result of the hit, uh, the afterward wrestling match. Uh, may have blocked a shot earlier in the game as well. It is currently 12.56. If you're looking for a great Oilers road trip, we sold one out to New York City in November. We're going to Vegas in January to see the Oilers play the Golden Knights and all the famous Vegas attractions. This new West travel hockey package includes airfare. Three nights at the five-star Cosmopolitan Hotel on the Vegas Strip. Game tickets. We'll have a welcome reception. The last time we had one of these events in Vegas, we had some truly great guests. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. For the Oilers Now Hockey Vegas package, call New West Travel or visit newwesttravel.com. 12.57. We're going to head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell at 1 o'clock. When we return at 104-105, Carolina Hurricanes General Manager Don Waddell. This is Oilers Now.